I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. That we are on the verge of the greatest revival that we have ever seen. I believe that with all my heart. I forgot my hanky tonight. You know, when a preacher forgets his hanky, you know he's not going to preach as good. And so I'm not, I'm without a hanky tonight. It's all right. That's that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make do. If I have to blow my nose, I'll... Thanks, Dad. Take them all? Yeah. Can we put this in my pocket? If you have your Bibles, you do not have to stand. Um, I'm actually going to take a few moments to kind of lay out the Scriptures that I'm going to read. John 13 and 34. John 15 and 12. John is known as the uh, the chapter or the book of love. John had a loving spirit. He, matter of fact, when you see John sitting, uh, when he was eating with Jesus at the Last Supper, you will find John sitting by Jesus. And he's got his head buried in the chest of Jesus. He was always close to Jesus. And that Jesus, when he drew his last breath and uttered the words, it is finished. I don't know where everybody else was. I don't know where the other disciples were. But I do know John loved Jesus so much to the point that regardless, regardless uh, how bad the scene was at the cross, which had to be gruesome. So I don't, I, I don't know how you all are, but if I, knowing what the cross had to be like, I, I don't think that I would have wanted to view it very, very close. I don't think I would have wanted to see it very much. I, I would have had to look away. I don't think that I could have. You know, brother, the Van Devender, you know, your job, actually, you and your wife's job is. I don't like the sight of blood. I just don't like it. And I don't like to see others hurt. And I, don't, I just don't know how you do it. It takes a special person. Brother Daniel did some of that. I, I don't know how people do that job. It just takes a special heart. It takes a special ministry. really does. And I, I do believe it's a, it's a God-given thing to, for people to do that. But John, he didn't run from it. And he didn't turn away from it. And I, I truly think, not that I don't love people, but it takes a special heart that loves loves that, loves to minister, loves people. You find John at the foot of the cross. And I don't, I don't know for a fact, I don't know how long he was there, but I can't help but lead to believe that he was there for the whole thing because John really loved Jesus. And I truly believe that love will give you and empower you to look beyond all the pain and all the things that are normally hard to look at. Love will push you. And that's what we're talk about tonight. Loving. And um, we as the church need to love. John, in John 13 and 34, Jesus said, a new, co- a new commandment I give unto you, 
They were so hooked on the commandments. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that, thou shalt not that. They lived by it to the point that um, nothing else mattered. And they were, they were so married to the law. We know that the law had holes in it. That's why Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law. Can anybody tell me what plugged the holes of the law? We know Jesus did. But what was the essence that plugged the holes of the law? It was love. Because you could keep the law. You could keep every aspect of the law and still be wrong in your spirit. Just because you kept the law, the letter of the law, didn't mean that you were right with God. Matter of fact, Jesus pointed out, he said, you know, he said, he pointed out the law and he stressed it. He said, the law says thou shalt not kill. And you live by it. Because they thought that they had everything right in their heart. They thought that they, they were perfect simply because they kept the letter of the law. And Jesus was trying to reveal to them. He, he was trying to show them that even though they were right in keeping the letter of the law, that they were wrong in their spirit. He said, the law says thou shalt not kill. But he said it's deeper than that. If you even, if you even hate somebody in your heart, You've already committed it. You're just as wrong as somebody that murders. The law says thou shalt not commit adultery or commit fornication. But he said, I say unto you that if you even have lust in your heart, you've already committed that. He was showing them that, that you've got to have it in your heart. You've got to love in your heart or you're wrong. And he said, and so Jesus was, was, was bringing a new commandment. That And he was, he was letting them know, I'm not doing away with the other part of the law or the existing part of the law. But the, 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 the first part of the law got you here. But if you want to make it out of this world and you want to make it uh, into my kingdom, I have a new commandment that I'm going to give you. That you love one another. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the real big thing. This is, I, I don't have a problem with loving people. And, 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 and I don't think a lot of us have problem loving people. But here's the problem. The problem is the next phrase. As I have loved you. Love people as I have loved you. Now, I don't know the measurement in which Jesus loves people, but I know it's immeasurable. I, I don't know. I really don't truly understand his love for us. But I think... That while we're on this earth, I think our job is to find out how much Jesus does love people and try to match that. And I believe if we live our life trying to match the love for one another as Jesus loved us, I believe that we we won't have any problem making it to heaven. I sincerely believe that. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And John 15 and 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. He was stressing that. Now, I want to I, I, I take just a few moments to tell you this. that, And, and I, I, I 
want to preach about the modern day revival, the latter day revival, and I'll continue to preach that. And we've got to get in the position to, to have that modern day revival. But I want to stamp out and, uh, and try to get rid of the mindset of, of the, the traditional apostolic people and, uh, th- that we carried for a long time. How are we going to build an apostolic church? Well, we've got to somehow lure people to win people. And that is not, that is not showing people how much separation, how much, uh, of a separation we can, we can show people or, uh, we're not going to win people by showing people what we've given up. Because you can have it all together, talk about holiness, talk about being modest, talk about dressing the part, because you can have all that together and still be wrong. If I measured holiness by what you should wear or how modest you should be, the, 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 the Muslims, the Shiite Muslims would be the holiest people on the face of the planet. I mean, they are... I mean, they are modest. They don't show any part of their body. The only thing you see is their eyes and their hands, maybe their feet. But if that, they, if, if holiness was measured by dress code, the Muslims would have it all together. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be modest, we shouldn't be separated, because those things are extremely important. We should be holy and we should be modest. But that is not how we show people how much we love God. By whether you have a TV, whether you don't have a TV. By whether you celebrate Christmas, whether you don't celebrate Christmas. By whether you, uh, whether you, uh, you know, whatever else you do. The way we are to show people that we are His people is by how much we love. That's truth. Now, I, I know I've said it a, a few times that I didn't need Joel Osteen to teach me how to build an apostolic church. And I don't. But he has built that church. If you've never seen his church, you need to get on YouTube and look at his church and look how full it is. Now, I'm not, I, I, I don't need his doctrine and I don't need him how to tell me how to get to heaven. But he has said a few things in an interview that I would like. For the apostolic church to somehow grab a hold of. And that is this. He truly tries to build an environment to love people. And people want to come to his services. Now what he does after that, what he preaches, is between him and God. And he is going to answer dearly when he stands before the, before the Lord with it. But I wish somehow... That the apostolic church that preaches the truth that we have, that we claim we have, this doctrine, death, burial, and resurrection, which I do believe that it is the way. And that is the, the, the way that we need to make it into heaven, which is repentance, baptized in Jesus' name, and in filling with the Holy Ghost. But somehow we need to latch on to how they love people. And I truly believe that if the apostolic church could ever grasp and get a hold of that kind of, uh, that, that kind of love that we would see the apostolic latter day revival church that we need to see, right? I believe that if we're going to win people, that we have got to, we, uh, uh, we, we have got to set the bait. If you ever want, if you want to catch fish, you've got to have the right bait. 
If you want a deer hunt, you've got to have the right bait. If you want to, to duck hunt, my, my cousin, he duck hunts. And he spends thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on decoys that look as close as I've ever seen to a real duck. Some of the ducks, they move. they got batteries in them. They look like ducks. They quack like ducks. Everything about those decoys looks like ducks. He can sit those things out in the field. He spent thousands of dollars. I said, what if you didn't have all that stuff? He said, I wouldn't catch any ducks. I wouldn't have any ducks. So you have to have the right bait or the right decoy. Jesus said it. He said, if you want to win souls, he said, you've got to have the right decoy or the right bait. Which was, he said, he that winneth souls is wise. That we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I've studied that, that, that scripture. Wise as serpents. Serpents lack the dexterity. They lack the ability to grab on to their, to, to, to what they're trying to catch. They don't have arms. They don't have legs. So they have to be very, uh, subtle in, in their getting, to, to get what they're trying to catch. I saw a video on uh, on YouTube, and this black mamba. I'm, I'm enamored with snakes. I don't like them. I don't. I don't want them around me. But I like to look at them from a distance. My favorite thing to do is go to the zoo uh, outside the tigers and the lions. I like to look at the snake. Alan, where is Alan here? Alan's not here. Alan absolutely loves snakes. If you want to see Alan Motter climb a tree, you can, you could, you could show him a decoy, a little fake snake, and he will climb a tree that has no branches. He'll climb it quick. And I love, I love this, I love looking at those snakes. And I watched this black mamba climb up a tree, and on a dead branch, he was subtle enough to position himself to act like the branch on that tree, and it, if, from a distance, that black mamba looked like that locust tree that he was in, and I saw that beautiful bird fly over, and right before that bird landed on that quote-unquote branch, that, that serpent grabbed that and hit it, just hit it, put enough venom in, in that bird, and it fell, and that snake crawled down the tree, and he had lunch. The Bible gives the example as to how we are supposed to catch people. Almost said pray. <laughs> in some apostolic church, it is they are prayed. Some of the old apostolic churches, I've seen People become prey. And, but he turns, he said, you gotta catch them, be wise as serpents. And then he turned right around and gave an extreme contrast as to how we are supposed to win people. Be wise as serpents. In other words, don't make sudden moves. Don't be, don't press towards. Don't be too uh, in your face. He said, turn right around. He said, be as, be as, uh, harmless as doves. If you want to catch somebody, be wise as serpents. If you want to keep them, show them love. Love, a uh, uh, dove uh, uh, has the characteristics of love. 
they're they're not carnivores. They they're they're not harmful. They're uh, matter of fact, they're more uh, of of you know very shy and and not intrusive. And that is what Jesus wants out of His church. And you've said it. I've, you've heard me say it many times. As apostolics, we have truth and we understand. We've got to have the the, the not pride, take pride in having truth, but the confidence that we have truth. But knowing that we have truth, it is not our job to force truth on people and rule people's lives. And I've, I've seen a lot of people that try to win people, whether they're trying to win people from other denominations or win people that are that are agnostic or, or atheist. They try to, um, they, they get into this uh battle of knowing that they quote scriptures and before long they're trying to prove points to, so they can say I'm right and you're wrong and that is not the way to win people the way that we should win people is to show people that we love people we love people we love the homosexuals now, you could quote me on that and make me look really silly if that's all you wrote down. Quote, Adam Hill loves homosexuals. But the context behind it is as the church that we, it is not our job to judge people. It is not our job. I saw a, a man holding the sign outside of Indiana University when I worked there. And his sign read, God hates faggots. God hates queers. Queers will burn in hell. I I was driving up, I saw that. And I wasn't pastor, so you can't be judgmental with me right now. I slammed that truck up and parked, shut shut it off, put my emergency brake on, and I looked at that dude. I got right in his face. And I act absolutely, I was absolutely wrong because my attitude was wrong. I was so angry. And if I could have gotten away with it, I probably would have punched him out. Because he here he is, he's trying to win people to Jesus. But all he did was misrepresent Jesus to the point that the people that saw his sign, even if they ever wanted to, to change, I guarantee it, that sign was burnt and imprinted in the hearts and the minds of those people. And they'll never darken the doors of a church. And for a long time, I, I truly believe, and I don't believe it here, and I'm sure it's been here, but predominantly not here. But And I've seen it in a lot of apostolic church. We try to, uh, to clean people up way before they ever experienced the Holy Ghost. And we've run people off. We've pushed people away simply by our attitudes and by what we say and what we do. And we will face judgment by everything that comes out of our mouth. If I've ever said anything behind this podium and it's ever come across mean or or insensitive, I simply want to apologize if I've ever hurt anybody, because that's not my intention. I will not apologize for preaching the truth, but I simply want to apologize to anybody if I've ever hurt anybody. And that's the attitude that we've got to have. And we, if we're ever going to see an apostolic move of God in this last day, we have got to show 
love and create an environment to love people. Matter of fact, we have a responsibility to love people outside the church. And not only people outside the church, we have a responsibility to love each other. Because people will watch us. And people want to be a part of churches. But the only way people will join a church is if they can see a church that not only loves people that are easy to love, but they watch us and they say, let's see how you love people that aren't nice to you or not kind to you. That's inconvenient to love. And I truly believe that perfect love is not exercised at its fullest on people if they're easy to love. I don't believe that. I, I truly believe that per, pure love is not shown or exercised or proven if it's, if it's the act of love is given to people that you like and that you agree with. Because let's face it, it's easy to love people that love you back. And it's easy to love people that agree with everything that you say. That like all the same things that you like and agree with everything that you like and agree with. But you step back and you watch people. You can tell true Christians all of a sudden when people waltz into their life and the person that sits across the aisle from them, all of a sudden stands against things that they stand against. And it's easy to say, well, I love people like that. But what about people that have talked evil against you? I know it's going to get quiet here in the next few minutes. And, and you know, because I love Brother James. He's good our church, Brother James Willis. He said, I love everybody. He said, I love, he said, some I love close to me and others I love far away. And I'm sure we can all identify with that. But there are going to be people in your life that can be really easy to dislike and be really easy to despise. I truly believe that Jesus himself, that's why he picked people in his life, not like just like John the Beloved that loved him back, that would lay his head in the heartbeat of his, and, and, and agree with everything he said, and that would end up at the foot of the cross when Jesus was at his worst. He's hanging there in shame. He's completely naked. He's embarrassed. He's, he's just, he, he's, he's laying, he's outside. Nobody wants to see that. No, you don't see any of the other disciples there, but John's there. Jesus, it was easy for Jesus to love John, but Jesus also loved Judas. And he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Judas was a devil when he picked him to be one of his uh, leaders in, in, in his kingdom. But he chose him anyway. And there are going to be people in your life that are hard to love. But if we want to be like Jesus, who wants, okay, 
I'll put you on the spot. Who in here wants to be like Jesus? Who wants to be like Jesus? We sing it. That's an old song we used to sing. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. We sang it. I remember singing that song growing up. And I remember my simple mind was like, he died. He, he hung on a cross. I don't know if I want to be like him or not. He took the spit in his face. And he took the crown of thorns on his head. He took that beating on his back. And he, 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 had, he, he stood up there and forgave them. Uh, and, and loved people that hated him. Loved people that spit in his face. You mean to tell me i, I got to be like, if I'm going to be like Jesus. See, here's the thing. We want his anointing. We want his authority. We want his ability like he, he could preach. We want to be able to pray for the sick and they shall recover. We want to raise the dead. We want to do all the things that Jesus did. But how about the other side of the things? We want to be like Jesus. Do we want to be able to forgive like Jesus? See, most people, they want, they want only the good parts about being like Jesus. But we forget that he was rejected by his own people. He was hated by people that he loved and he healed and raised their dead and, and he sacrificed everything and he loved them. And when they killed him, they was beating on him. He was repenting on their behalf for them. Do you still want to be like Jesus? Well, the carnal part of me says, no, if I could be like Jesus in some ways and had the ability to speak the word and call down a legion of angels and annihilate all the people that hurt me, I would like that. That's why we don't have that ability. Because most of y'all would make people disappear real quick. Saying, no, I love people. I love people. I, 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 I put you behind a car. And my pet peeve is when someone drives in the left lane and is driving slower than the ones in the fast lane. People that don't turn their blinker on. And people that I walk at Kroger and open the door for them and try to smile at them. And they walk up and they don't say, thank you. What do, you, what do we do when people don't say thank you? You're welcome. Who said you said that? You do that? Jesus help you. <laughs> but Jesus said, and I'm, time's getting away from me. Jesus said that we are supposed to love people like I loved you. And so the key, now we, we've got to get really honest. If we want to be part of the bride, we've got to love people like Jesus loved us. So this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is the hard part. How much mercy and grace was extended to you when you were saved? That right there is something that a lot of veteran Pentecostal apostolic Christians have forgotten about. The hell that Jesus brought you out of and pulled you out of. And the Bible says, when you were yet sinners, 
Christ died for you. We like to believe that Jesus loves us because we're apostolic and we're Americans. And Jesus loves us because we do the right thing. Jesus loves us because we look right. Jesus loves us because we wear our hair the right way. And if that was the case, I'd be in trouble. Brother Stanley, what are you laughing at? I'm kidding you with you, Brother Stanley. Brother Stanley keeps me on my toes. But we like to believe, you know, Jesus loves us because I did a good job. Jesus loved us, loved me because I taught such and such Bible studies. Jesus loves me because I, I keep his commandments. That is what that is what was wrong with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They thought Jesus loved them based on what they did and what they didn't do. Jesus came and he said, look, that's not who I came to love. I didn't come for the well. I didn't come for the people that had it all together. The sick doesn't, or the well doesn't need a physician. So they don't need me. But the people that need me are the broken, broken hearted, the sinners, the sick, the broken down, the, the ones that were reprobates, the murderers, the thieves, and all those people. That's who Jesus came for. And when the apostolic church gets it in their heart and their mind and start remembering where Jesus brought them from, and they can stand and become really honest. And then there's people, and I know it, I've heard them. I grew up in this thing. I never did drugs. I never did alcohol. I never did this. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you've never drank, done alcohol, done drugs. I don't care if you've never told a lie. I don't care if you've never stolen anything. I don't care if your mama had you on a, on a Saturday and brought you into church on Sunday morning and you never missed a church service. You still needed a blood wash. You still needed to repent. You still needed baptized in Jesus' name. And you still needed the Holy Ghost. So matter of fact, your righteousness, the best you've ever been, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. And I don't really want to go into what that really means. And if you don't know what that means, go home and study that scripture. And it's not the most pleasant scripture in the world, but he was showing people that at your best, you couldn't measure up. And so he was showing you that I don't care how good you are, you still need a redeemer. When Ezekiel 16 and 6, when he said, when you pass, when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said live. And what he was talking about was he was, he was talking about a physical church, but he was also, it was a church that it was mirrored by, from a physical church to a spiritual church that people needed a blood transfusion and everybody needed forgiveness. So now that we got that out of the way, it shows you that you were forgiven. And when you were yet sinners, he died for you. And the failures that you, you've experienced the last week, the last month, before you came to church and all the junk that you've ever come out of, he extended mercy to you. I find that, you know, self-righteous people, somehow they acquire that spirit of self-righteousness simply because 
they forget where they come from. When Paul was talking about, he started, he, he started naming sins. These people shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Fornicators, idolaters, and he goes through the whole things, murders, thieves, effeminate, and all these things that he said, these people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You could see, you could, you could almost hear the self-righteous people amen him. You know, preach it, Paul. You're doing right. They're not going to heaven. That's not who I am. I'm not guilty of this one, and I'm not guilty of that one. And if you finish that very next verse, he says, but such were some of you. And it's easy to amen that first part of the Scripture, especially if you're not guilty of the things that Paul talked about. Fornicators, idolaters, liars, effeminate, thieves, all those things. But he was reminding the church of where they come from. And I truly believe that that is the secret to loving people. Is to realizing the mercy and the grace that was extended to you and I. But Jesus extended mercy and grace to the woman that, that was caught in the act of adultery. I look at that so-called church, and I see so many characteristics of, of, of the modern-day church in that story. When those men found that woman, she was in the very act of adultery. They caught her. Now, i got to be very rated G. I know we got kids in here, and I'm not trying to be crude or anything, say anything. So please, just, just humor me for a few moments. I, I was thinking, I, I often think about that story because I, I love the, the humility that Jesus had when he's talking to this woman. He didn't talk to her any different than he would one of, the, one of his disciples or his apostles. He's talking to this woman, and, and he, the love that he extended to her was pretty, pretty amazing. But before that, I, I'm thinking about what Jesus did and what happened what led up to Jesus forgiving this woman and showing her mercy. The Bible says she was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, here's the thing. Somebody is in the middle of the act. should be a private thing somewhere. We're awkward. Nobody knows it. I want to know the audacity of whoever. They had to know what was going on, when it was happening. And I often ask these questions. This is just me. Was it not their day or turn? And how they know that she was there doing what she was doing there? I also want to know where the man was. Because obviously these men were, were picking and choosing who deserved love and mercy and grace. The man got set free and the woman, she got thrown at the feet of Jesus in her shame and ridicule and her, everybody's finger pointing at him and saying, what are you going to do? She's caught in the act of adultery and she deserves to be stoned. I want to know why. And it just shows you that the so-called church doesn't truly understand love and mercy. Especially when they only live by the letter of the law. And when you live only by the letter of the law, it doesn't bring love to you. All it brings is self-righteousness. Paint you in a corner. 
And, and actually what it does is it sets you up for fingers to be pointed at you. Because Jesus said, he who without sin let him cast the first stone. Nobody threw any stones, so it just showed me that everybody that was in that congregation or in that audience was guilty of something. The problem, the problem with the so-called church, and I call them the so-called church because they said that they were the church, was that they had a problem measuring sins. And I still see that in, in this last day because we do. We say, we do. We say this sin is bigger than this one, and this one's worse than that one, and this one's not as bad as that one. Jesus came to say, look, sin is sin. I don't care what you're guilty of. Everybody's guilty. He who without sin let him cast the first stone. And I don't care if you just stole an ink pen. You're guilty. And so Jesus is setting them up, and he, they, they all leave. They're all guilty, obviously. And he extends love and mercy. But here, here's, here's something I do want to say. Jesus extends love and mercy. And we got it confused a lot of times. We think Jesus extended love when he said, He who without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he looks at the woman and he says, Who's going to condemn you? Who's here to condemn you? She looks around and says, Nobody. He said, Neither do I. We think that was the part where he extended love, but that wasn't love. That was mercy. Because fact was, with what she did, according to the law, they had a right to stone her. And they had a right to point their finger at them. But he extended mercy and grace. Mercy, grace, the unmerited favor of, of Jesus. You don't deserve it, but you got it. That's not love. That was not an act of love. But where love came in was when he gave her the rule of discipline when he said, go and sin no more. The problem with, and it's creeped into the church, but in this world right now, the problem, think, the problem with this world thinks that the church doesn't love them simply because we correct them and we don't agree with what they do. They say, well, why are you hating on us? Jesus didn't agree with the woman that was caught in the act at the, at the same time. He wasn't, he, but he didn't hate her. He had mercy on her. And that's how we should preach. We should show love and mer- or, excuse me, grace and mercy. But we should end it with love. And love also carries the rod of correction with it. And sometimes love hurts. Love is speaking the truth, even when it goes against you and what you think and how you agree with it. And that's a hard thing. Sometimes as a pastor, I have to give this one or love, just like a parent. You don't want to spank your kids. You don't want to whip your kids. You don't want to. Now it's this identical. You don't want to put your kids in time out. My grandpa Hill didn't know anything about time out. I don't think as growing up did I ever get time out. There wasn't such time as time out. Time out for spanking. Time out for a leather belt. 
And I got my share of them. And the ones I didn't think that I deserved it, there was times that I did things that I got away with it, and he just made up for it. But he gave, he, I got spanked. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the love, the, the discipline that I got. And it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't pleasant, it didn't feel good, but it kept me right. Kept me right. And so Jesus loves us. And he got us out of that. The Bible says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he turns right around and says, I want you to love people like I loved you. And so what i got to ask myself is how much love am I supposed to love my brother? How much love am I supposed to love my sister? You know how to measure that by I know this isn't that deep, and I'm at the end of my time, but I'm going to tell you how much you're supposed to love your brother or sister. Get really honest with yourself and say, okay, how much love am I supposed to give? Well, how much sin did Jesus forgive you from? What did he look past and how much sins, how many times has he rescued? How much mercy in your life has he ever extended to you? How much grace has he ever offered you when you didn't deserve it? How many times have you did the same thing over? Had the same attitude or had the same failure over and over and over and over? And you ask for forgiveness and tomorrow, you know you're going to end up doing it again. And he forgives you, forgives you again over and over and over. However old you are until the day. And the matter of fact, the Bible says his mercy's been made new every single day. And when you get up and wake your head up off the pillow, the same mercy that was gracious to you this morning is going to be the same mercy that will be gracious to you tomorrow morning. And a week from now until the day that you die and you breathe your last breath, So that tells me that how much I'm supposed to love people and love my brother and love people that despitefully use me and hurt me and have lied against me. And that's the hardest thing. Rejection. You've been rejected. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? That's everybody. I don't even have to look. I know every single one of you. It's not a natural thing to do. uh, To love people. Because the world's idea of love is to love others that meet our approval. And if Jesus would have based his love based on that theory or that fact, he would not have loved anybody. And the one that he trusted to give his keys to preach death, burial, and resurrection, the first time it was ever preached, the Apostle Peter Even him that had the power and the authority to give the keys to death, hell, and the grave to the world on the day of Pentecost, even he was one of the greatest failures that ever walked. Every single one of us. From the time that Noah, Noah, he was a great patriarch, had the the, the tenacity to, to build an ark, to save his own family. 
that by the time it was all said and done, he gets drunk, puts himself in the position to curse his own son. And on and on, failures through after failures, Moses, he was the Savior type and shadow of Jesus, saves the people out of bondage, gets to a place where he... he, 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 he he obeys God, but sometimes only halfway. He gets to see the promised land, but he doesn't get to go in it. He dies uh, partly a failure, and on and on and on. You can look at the greatest men and women in all the Scripture. Every single one of them couldn't. Their righteousness was as filthy rags. They, they all needed forgiveness. So as much forgiveness as you've ever needed, that's how much love you're supposed to. To extend and not base in your love by how much love somebody will give you back. That's a hard thing because there have been have been times in my life and it continues to happen where you give to people and they spit right back in your face. and they, they don't extend the same love and mercy that you gave them. But guess what? We are supposed to love Jesus like Jesus loved us and love this world. Yeah, we're supposed to love the people that's difficult to love. We're supposed to love, and I, I bring up names like this because as far as measurements of sin, they're the worst of the worst. The Jeffrey Dahmers, the Hitlers, the Bin Ladens, Obama. I'm just naming names. I don't know why you guys are laughing. We're supposed to love people. Hillary. Michelle. Adam Hill. You know why I put you know I put my name in there? And I'll tell you why. Because I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. The Apostle Paul. Oh, he was a great man, a preacher that runs to a chopping block and, said, and he, he gets his head cut off for the cause of Jesus. And he, he sacrificed everything for the cause of Christ. But before he became a preacher, if he would have had a bomb to strap on, he would have been the one that strapped the bomb to a kid and sent him into a hospital or to a school. Because he stood by and held the coach, the one that stoned Stephen. And he didn't even feel bad when Stephen's repenting over their failures. He was a modern day terrorist. Paul, the apostle Paul, was as bad as it got. But Jesus found, found, finds him on the road to Damascus, takes away his sight, and becomes the greatest preacher that ever lived. So if, 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 if Jesus can love people like Paul, and he can love people like me. And I'm coming to a close. I've, I've used this. I've used this and used this and used this. And I'll keep, keep using it. And one of the greatest insights that Jesus ever gave to me for a message. It changed my life. Because sometimes giving and loving and ministering to people that are undeserving is one of the hardest things in the world. Is when they dragged Paul outside the city of Lystra. And they bashed his brains in. They stoned him to death. Left him for dead. The Bible says they supposed him to be dead. Paul gets back up. And instead of walking away, instead of leaving, instead of finding refuge, instead of going on vacation, 
I think after somebody stoned you, I think that I would have found a little bit better place to go. I'd found somebody that loved me. Some historians believe that Paul was dragged about 12 miles outside of Lystra. The reason was simply because that some loved Paul and some hated him. And they didn't want to cause a, 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 a tumult. And they didn't want to cause people to rise up and, and fight and kill others. So they drug him, leaving him way outside of town. Paul gets up, however far he was outside of, and he starts walking back to Lystra. Are you serious, Paul? They hated you. They spit in your face. They picked up stones and they killed you. And you've, you've got a second chance, Paul. Go find somebody else to love. But he goes back to Lystra. And he preaches. And I believe, simply believe, that the reason why Paul went back to Lystra was because he had a love for the gospel and a love for sinners. And he looked past the failures of men and said, you know what? Somebody loved me because one time I was the one that was throwing the stones. And if I can be saved, then maybe they can be saved. And if you study, the next very next chapter is when Timothy was found by Paul. And Timothy would have never been found by Paul if Paul would have never gotten back up and walked back and loved the same people that hated his guts. So we want to, and I, and in the last few weeks I've been thinking about winning the lost and building a church and having an apostolic church. And I thought, how are we going to build an apostolic church in this last day? How are, what are we going to offer people? Because we're don't, we, we're not rich. We don't have glit. We don't have glamour. We got a nice place, but it's, it's not a cathedral like the Catholic church down the road. We don't have a lot of money. We, we, you know, we got talent, but we're not the best in the world on the face of the planet. But guess what? What are we going to offer? And God spoke to me and said, you know what? People are hungry and thirsty for love. That's what they're drawn to. And I'm going to leave you with this. But people, I don't want to leave this. I don't want to leave this with, with, uh, on a downer. But I want to say this. How can we love the people on the outside that don't even come to this church? How can we really love them and show them love? If we can't show one another love. How are we going to expect to win the world on the outside if we can't even love our brothers and sisters on the inside of the church? I, I, I do. I, I want to have an apostolic church. But before I have a great number and fill every pew on our, in our church, I want to have a church where I look out and I see people that love one another, that can look past one another's problems and faults. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen.